Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman and Kirk Cosby live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that it was refused to use. No doubt continues now. This is the broadcast for June the 4th in the year of our Lord, 2019. This is our two of two, and the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. You know we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Hey, Kurt, do you live in a right-to-work state? If not, I suggest you move, my brother. I think we do, don't we? Yes, see? you do, sir. Yeah. Good work. I just simply say, if you don't live in a right-to-work state, you got to either, one, push to change it and or move. It's Had like you- those uh, sanctuary states where they kill kill babies or uh, whatever. You know, you need to move from those to a safe place. Amen to that. Patrick Simmons with us. Welcome back to Liberty Roundtable Live, my friend. Thank you, Sam. What do you think of my advice? If you don't live in a right-to-work state, just move. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's what a lot of people are doing. People are, are voting with their feet. There's no question. Um, of course, we know right-to-work states are where the, the jobs are being created uh, and the uh, economic opportunity, and it uh, has better cost of living. So there's a lot of reasons why people are going to, uh, to right-to-work states uh, to do what's best for their families, no question. If not, then simply move. Um, I know that sounds extreme, ladies and gentlemen, but that is one of the geniuses of America, isn't it, Patrick? Yeah, I think, I mean, there's no question. Look, it, you know, we have, we've had a, a long-running experiment since the mid-50s of right-to-work states versus forced unionism states. And the, uh, the numbers are, are very clear across the board. Uh, job growth over the last decade, twice as, uh, as jobs are being created quite, twice as quickly in right-to-work states. Um, you look at cost-of-living adjusted uh, disposable income. Workers in right-to-work states have more than, than those in forced unionism states. Um, and uh, so, I mean, you know, all, all sorts of metrics. Um, you see uh, this, this great experiment working and showing um, and continuing to demonstrate that the right-to-work, uh, you know, in addition to, of course, the, the key point, which is that it provides freedom of choice uh, for, for workers. Uh, but uh, on top of that, it's, it really is an, an engine for economic growth um and uh and that's i think that's part of the success there's no question about it all right i just thought i'd bring that up uh, there's a lot going on for you guys i've seen some stuff from rand paul he's standing up for right to work and really trying to push for it i uh, saw a lot of information uh, i know you guys are working really hard sadly though congress seems derailed and well donald's eating crumpet and tea with the uh, british uh, maybe yeah. you ought to come back and work on right to work huh well, it, yeah, it would be nice to see him uh, elevate the issue. Uh, we did last month. Uh, Congressman Joe Wilson was the lead sponsor of the National Right to Work Act in the House. Of course, you mentioned uh, Rand Paul introduced the Senate version of that uh, back in uh, February. So it's, um, you know, we, we've got it there in the houses. We, we want to push uh, for a vote. Um, now it's not going to pass the the House of Representatives. Uh, any 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 House that's going to elect uh, Nancy Pelosi as as the majority or as the leader is not uh, going to pass right to work, but putting them on the record, uh, as we've talked about before, is is a win win uh, for advocates of of worker freedom because we know right to work laws are popular. Eighty uh, percent of Americans support right to work, which simply says that union membership and financial support should be voluntary. 
doesn't stop anyone from joining a union, doesn't stop anyone from paying dues to the union. It just says you can... Of course not. We believe in freedom of association, ladies and gentlemen. Right. And, um, you know, so we think that that having a vote on this uh, in the House, uh, in the Senate, would be good because you put put people on the record. Do they want to stand up for individual workers and their choices and trusting them to decide what's best for them and for their families? Uh, Or do they want to suck up to uh, union bosses who who force those workers to pay them money and then funnel that money into politics and lobbying and everything else to the tune of uh, billions of dollars uh, every election cycle. So, um, Wow, it's amazing. I think that we really need to work on this, folks. I think we've got a narrow window. What do you think is going to happen in 2020? you think this is going to be an issue? Well, I think the National Right to Work Committee plans to make it an issue, and uh, but but like I said, you know, having a vote is obviously going to be helpful, and and sometimes there's vehicles you can use, amendments, that type of thing, uh, to force that vote through. Uh, but you know, we're seeing, um, of course, you know, like I said, the National Right to Work Act uh, was introduced around the same time. Uh, some of the Democrats, in fact, most of the leading Democrats, and, and a number of of others, self-avowed socialists, all sorts of uh, people signed on to um, a much, uh, a very radical bill that would go the other way. Um, they want to wipe out every right-to-work law in the country uh, and have Congress do that. Now, we don't think Donald Trump would sign that. The Senate's not going to pass that in its current form. But it is a, a real example of the, the stark contrast on this issue in Congress right now. You've got, uh, I mean, that bill is just a... Uh, just every bad uh, idea designed to force workers into unions all in one. So, of course, the, the centerpiece is wiping out the 27 state right-to-work laws, uh, banning those under the federal, uh, under federal law. Uh, but on top of it, they have a card check, which means no secret ballot. Unions can get in without a secret ballot election, unionize workers by kind of bullying them, pressuring them into signing cards. Um, it would have the government imposing forced dues contracts on companies, so union and company can't get together on a contract. Instead of letting that play out, it would uh, have a government arbitrator come in and say, this is the government, uh, the government's going to tell you, here's the contract. And, of course, those contracts would all include forced union dues. Um, and there's just uh, a whole lot of other problems. Uh, independent contractors would get unionized, um, all sorts of, of people. It, it's just a... I mean, you look at it, and, and what you realize is it's designed for one thing, and that is to force millions and millions more Americans uh, to pay dues to unions and be fired for not paying. Uh, that's the goal, and all the various aspects of that bill um, move towards that end. What do you say to this, Kurt? It seems to me that it's an issue that's just um, it's, it's critical, it's vital. And this is kind of what I meant, Kurt, when I said, hey, you know what? I appreciate that Donald wants to bring jobs home and manufacture at home and do all these things. But I'm telling you right now, the union is one of the greatest impediments to getting that done. And these are the regulation that I've kind of mentioned. Until we really get a handle on a lot of this regulation, uh, it's, it's not feasible to get done. Any comments on this, Kurt? It's amazing how much um, there is to be done when it comes to making America great again, huh? Wow. Wow. There you have it, Patrick. Yeah, there's no question. And one of the things that, uh, I mean, we were talking about uh, all the money that union officials spend um, on politics and lobbying. Uh, 
organization called the National Institute for Labor Relations Research looked at all their public filings, uh, the filings they, they have to uh, put in with the Department of Labor, uh, stuff with the Federal Election Commi- Commission, um, various state groups, the IRS, and you total it all up. And in the last election cycle, over $2 billion uh, that, that they admit they spent on politics and lobbying. That doesn't include, you know, we know they, they, they perennial, perennially underreport that type of stuff. So, um, but that's just what they admit. Yeah, because they do participate in things like bundling and other places that don't have to account for cash, right? Sure, it's bundling, and then they have, you know, I mean, things like paid union time off to go, uh, you know, work the polls on election day or go knock on doors for their candidates and, and things like that where it's... Um, and, or it's send Guido over to make sure someone um, doesn't go vote. Right, yeah, that type of thing too. And what's amazing is of that $2 billion, over $1.3 billion comes out of union treasury funds. And, and that means those are the worker, those, that's the money from workers who would be fired if they're not paying. That's the rate. And what that means is the people pay for their own demise, their own undermining, if you will. Oh, yeah. And, and there's no question. I mean, you look at uh, polls regularly show 40% of union members vote Republican. And then you look at the money being spent by the union officials, and it's going 95% or more to Democrats. So, I mean, there's a huge divide between the rank and file um, who, you know, are, are not that dissimilar from the average voter in America. Um, and the union officials who are self-avowed socialists. And, you know, you have the AFL-CIO on Twitter saying, seize the means of production. They did this last month. Uh, and, and some video uh, of a self-described Marxist talking about why they need a workers' revolution um, and that you wonder why they're so out of touch with the rank and file. By the way, uh, uh, Patrick, Liberty Roundtable Live rejects revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration, sir. Yeah, well, I, I mean, that's, that's right, but this is you know they're talking about Marxist uh, revolution and propaganda. In At what point does it channel. seriously? And I know this might be a little bit of a trap for you, and I don't mean to set a trap, but I do mean to highlight a point. Uh, take this as far or or beg off of it as you uh, see fit. I know you represent right to work, so you got to be careful what you say. But I'm kind of saying, at what point does this, you know, kind of border on? Uh, high crimes and misdemeanors, treason, uh, insurrections. I mean, at some point when you start talking about workers' revolution, uh, seize production, and you're literally uh, espousing communist principles that undermine the very fabric of our nation, sir. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, right now this is this is some someone on their Twitter feed saying this, but of course they feel free to, to do so. Um, so it's, uh, you know, Thankfully, we're not we're not seeing people out with pitchforks and torches because, frankly, the not yet. But that's what they're calling would for. Would never do that. But that is what they're calling for, and it's dangerous and it's something we need to keep an eye on. Um, and it gets it gets to some of the other problems in federal law, uh, like for example, the fact that union officials have a special exemption from extortion and racketeering um, prosecution when they are when they're engaged in violence towards a quote legitimate union um and so there's a lot to be done there and in, in, in terms of prosecuting people for violating the law wow all right you gotta highlight that last thing he said all right one let's more come time, right back man. to it then ladies and gentlemen patrick don't forget it we'll be right back we'll highlight it and we'll talk about it kurt's got a valuable point this is liberty roundtable live right to work.org patrick simmons riding shotgun on the broadcast today You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country, 
and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? To defeat this assault, Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past. We win, they lose. Nothing less. Big Q, Little Q. The calm before the storm by a friend of Megagoria, The strategy of heaven revealed. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm, available on Amazon.com or by calling Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. All right, back on your radio, Patrick Simmons, ladies and gentlemen, RightToWork.org, doing a phenomenal job. Free association at the top of the billing for us. We believe in free association, ladies and gentlemen. We don't believe in revolution. We believe in restoration of all things, especially the rule of law in America. Uh, but, Patrick, you made an important statement Kurt wanted you to repeat, sir. Yeah, so um, what I was mentioning is that uh, union officials have a special exemption from the Hobbs Act, which is uh, a law that applies to every American um, with this one exception, uh, and is, is designed to stop pro- uh, racketeering and violence uh, extortion. And so basically what this means, and, and uh, this comes from a Supreme Court decision, uh, that's the Emmons decision, uh, and it said that, well, federal law preempts this portion of federal racketeering law for the purposes of uh, union bosses engaged in trying to get, quote, legitimate union objectives. So there's a lot of words there, but but really what it means is so if you or I were to go around the country blowing up transformers on uh, telephone poles outside um, plants, like, you know, manufacturing plants, that would be prosecuted under the Hobbs Act. You're, you're, By the way, as it should. Yeah, absolutely. If you said, hey, you give us, give us you know, a million dollars or we're going to keep blowing one of these up every week. Now, if the unions were to do that and say, but we're, you know, uh, but but say, well, we're doing it in pursuit of, say, a contract that we want to get, or we're trying to organize the plant, those are considered legitimate union objectives, and union officials will not be prosecuted under federal law for that. And we see them get off uh, all the time. There was uh, a couple, uh, I guess it was uh, two years ago now, 
Um, there's a, uh, you know, a kind of a widely publicized incident. The TV show Top Chef was up there filming, and the Teamsters didn't like the fact that uh, they were using uh, non-union trucks, and they didn't really need, um, you know, uh, to, to to have the Teamsters on any contracts. And they went, and there were threats. They were slashing tires. They were in people's faces. They were threatening to, quote, smash your pretty little face in, they said to the host. Yeah, but that's uh, acceptable by your federal government mandate, right? Right. No, they absolutely, they were they were brought into federal court, and their union lawyer successfully argued that this was all covered by uh, this exemption in federal law, and so they could not be prosecuted. They ultimately uh, got off uh, and were, were found not guilty, um, or, you know, at least under this special exemption. So it's really um, outrageous. Now, there is legislation to fix Let me Let me be very clear, though. They didn't really find them not guilty because they even admitted guilt. What they found them is not liable. Right, exactly, yeah. And, and I don't mean to play games with words, but I want people to understand this critical difference. Yeah, no, it's not because they didn't do it. It's not because they didn't do all the violent and threats um, that they that they were engaged in. They they basically, their defense was, yeah, we did it, but but we're allowed to. And you can't prosecute us under federal law for this type of violence. Now, uh, this is a weird thing for constitutionalists, Patrick, really quick. I'm not for federal law prosecuting these people anyway. However, what's happened is federal law has eclipsed state, eclipsed state laws to where states should be accountable and stand up against this at all costs. In other words, this is not a, a delegated constitutional authority in the first place. So it gets sticky fast because on one hand, I want the feds to prosecute because I want it to be a fair playing field. On the other hand, I don't really want the feds involved at all. And so it, it gets sticky the more regulation we have. Well, it's hard to look look up and see straight, isn't it? Yeah, no, that, that's a fair point. I mean, but obviously if we're going to have this federal law, it needs to apply to everyone. But Agreed. That's my point it, is I support that. It, I'm just saying of, I don't believe it should be in this arena in the first place is the point. No, no, you're right. And, and, and the problem is not only is this a federal issue, but there's a lot of states that have similar exemptions under their state uh, you know, violence and extortion. And it's all the non-right-to-work states, huh? Oh, yeah, of course. And, you know, um, even like things like identity theft. Unions have an exemption from identity theft. Uh, so we've had cases where uh, the union has gone up and posted the Social Security numbers of all the people who are non-members who they're trying to, to kind of uh, bully into to joining the union and paying full dues. And and uh, it was a clear violation of the state law. I think this was actually North Carolina. So this is the right-to-work state clear violation of state law, and the unions went into state court and said, nope, we're exempt um, because of federal law. We're allowed to do this. And so it over... Never mind constitutionally delegated authority. The federal government doesn't even have a right to make a law in that regard. Right. So it's a, it's a big problem in terms of federal law, uh, stopping people from even being prosecuted under state laws. And then on top of it, a lot of the forced due states have special exemptions on top of this federal exemption um, from their various uh, criminal laws for, for violence and extortion. Uh, See, this regulation, problem. Kurt, what I'm talking about. Until you unwind a lot of this, you're not going to have a stable manufacturing and stable job opportunity in America because it's just too hostile. These unions have too much power, too much authority. They've got the lever pulled in their favor at the trough of government. Federal law literally, or a fake federal law, whatever you want to call it, literally eclipses the states. The states are just political subdivisions. You go into a state court and plead federal law trumps your state, and the judges capitulate. Uh, you know, with this going on, I don't really see how to bring manufacturing back in a big way. Well, you know, um, I mean, 
what we see is is there's no question manufacturing uh, jobs are being created way faster. I mean, it just I think it's three or four to one um, right to work states versus non right to work states. But uh, you know, one of the solutions is the National Right to Work Act, and that would be a right to work law for every American. And um, when you're talking about issues of federalism, sometimes people go, well, you know, we think this should be at the state level, not the federal level. But in this case, it's federal law that authorizes the forced dues to begin with. And that's why the National Right to Work Act is a one-page bill. I think it's front and back of one piece of paper, shockingly short in a time of 20,000-page, you know, uh, pass it to find out what's in it uh, legislation from Congress. I mean, all it does is it takes the clauses of the um, National Labor Relations Act and the Railway Labor Act, uh, and it repeals the parts of them that authorize forced union dues. So really simple law. Um, all it does is it actually reduces the amount of federal legislation and federal code that there is, um, and, uh, and it does so in a way that's consistent with federalism, consistent with limited government, and, of course, fundamentally consistent with individual freedom for workers, which is the idea. Which, you know, people should choose who represents them. Uh, the government shouldn't be imposing representation on them. And then, of course, on top of that, they certainly shouldn't be forced to pay for that representation that they never asked for and don't want. And there also shouldn't be waivers for special interest groups like unions uh, to literally commit violence and or force. Um, the whole purpose of government is to prevent that stuff. Otherwise, what's the value of government at all? And I don't mean to say government's not valuable. I mean to highlight a critical point, Patrick. No, yeah. There's, I mean, this is... Uh you know, a total rejection of, of the fundamental principles, you know, the First Amendment, which says freedom of association, freedom of speech, and yet you have the government imposing um, speech and, and association on people against their will. Uh, it's, it's completely contrary to, you know, if you read the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution, um, and yet this is, this is uh, where we are because you have this one special interest group that mostly funds one political party, and so that political party has become completely devoted. And I'm not saying that there aren't problems uh, uh, Republicans as well, but the Democrats have become completely devoted to giving union bosses more power over workers, I think, because they've decided that's in their best political interest, uh, not because it's in the best interest of, of the actual workers or, or Americans at large. And financially speaking, that may be true, but it becomes the naked capitalist idea. We'll take money from anybody. Uh, the moral arguments, the moral discussions, uh, be danged on that is kind of the concern. Patrick, anything else we ought to know about before we let you fly? We've only got about two minutes left. Well, um, you know, I don't know that two minutes is enough time, but uh, in addition to everything that the National Right to Work Committee is doing in Congress and in the states, uh, the National Right to Work Foundation is taking a lot of cases for workers, helping them challenge union uh, boss coercion in courts. Um, and if, if they go to the website, righttowork.org, they can find a lot of information about some of the important things, including a recent Supreme Court petition where we're asking the, the Supreme Court to step in and stop a Washington state scheme that forces small businesses, child care providers who run in-home child care businesses to, force, to be forced to associate with the SEIU union. Um, so that's really outrageous, uh, you know, an extension of forced unionism to, to forcing small businesses under the union's representation um, further than, than we've ever allowed. And, and, and we're hoping the Supreme Court's going to look at that and say this is... All right, can you stay longer with us? The First Amendment. 
I could, yeah, I can stay for right. uh, one more segment if you need. All right, let me let's have you stay longer because you just opened up some stuff that I think we've got to to discuss a little bit and vet a little harder. The reason the union loves this one so much and is because what it does is it puts the union squarely in your home, Patrick. Yeah, that's right. So this this what's going on here is um, these people, like I said, they're they're, they're child care providers, and it happens that some of the children they care for get a state subsidy. Um, and Hold on, say that again. They get what? They, the, the children get a subsidy for their child care from the state. And by virtue of that, because they choose not to discriminate against the children who happen to have uh, subsidies based on their income level, the state of Washington says the SEIU now represents you, uh, and they're their, your officially government-designated representative. All right, quick pause. Patrick Simmons, RightToWork.org, in seconds on your radio. Pursuing Liberty. Using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. We will continue to work together to preserve the alliance that is the bedrock of our shared prosperity and security. That's outgoing British Prime Minister Theresa May speaking at a joint news conference in London following her meeting with President Trump today. The president citing this week's 75th anniversary of D-Day, the Allied invasion of Normandy, France, also saying that he thanks Britain for assistance in the fight against ISIS and the effort to keep Iran from getting nuclear weapons. Trump also says of trade with the U.K. As the U.K. makes preparations to exit the European Union, The United States is committed to a phenomenal trade deal between the U.S. and the U.K. Officials in northeast Missouri say Mississippi River flooding has breached 28 levees and closed nearly 380 roads. And this is USA Radio News. So you sit down and do your budget, and you look at all your monthly costs and your bills and your income, and it seems like there's never quite enough. You know what would really help. Finding $500 a month to help balance things out. That is the typical savings. $500 a month for a family when you switch to MediShare for your health care. And when it comes to health care sharing ministries, MediShare is really the gold standard. It's been around for 25 years and has more than 400,000 members. It's been around so long and grown so much because it works. And whether you're single or married or have kids, this could make sitting down to do a monthly budget a lot more fun. $500 a month can more than cover a car payment or pay back loans, whatever. So join MediShare and go out to dinner to celebrate. Here's the number to call. They are incredibly kind and helpful to talk to. 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. Saying it's clear the special counsel found no collusion with Russia by the Trump administration. Chairman of the Senate Judiciary Panel, Senator Lindsey Graham, says it's time to investigate some other things, like how the whole Russia investigation began. He decided not to bring a a case against the president based on obstruction. To me, case closed. Let's look at Comey, McCabe, Strzok, Page, all these other people and see how we got into this mess to begin with. Graham was speaking on Hannity on Fox News. The Virginia Beach Municipal Complex is open again today for the first time since an employee shot and killed 12 people there Friday. The exact building where the shooting occurred is still closed, though. Police still don't know the motive behind the attack by a city engineer who had resigned just a few hours earlier. 
California, the latest state to sue the maker of OxyContin, accusing it of contributing to the opioid crisis. And you're listening to USA Radio News. I want to dedicate this song to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. All right, Patrick Simmons, RightToWork.org, with us. So he's basically talking about this situation uh, in Washington State where literally because certain kids get government state subsidies and daycares, then that allows the union to back in and literally get in your home, Patrick. Yeah, that's right. So the case is called Miller v. Inslee, and the Supreme Court petition uh, was filed on May 24th. And uh, it challenges this scheme as a violation of Catherine Miller's uh, First Amendment rights. We're saying uh, her rights of free speech and association are violated because the state of Washington says the SEIU is your official government representative, government-appointed representative. Uh, they represent you to the government um, and can, can actually uh, tell you uh, and, and impose a contract on you that tells you how to run your small business. Um, and so she, Catherine Miller, runs a child care business out of her home. She takes care of uh, children, and some of them, because of their income levels, uh, get a state subsidy. And so basically, um, you know, this, this, is, uh, this, this shows just how far on the, the slippery slope you can go when the government starts imposing union representation on people. Uh, so this is small business owners, and their, their argument is that, well, anyone who – directly or indirectly gets a government subsidy or subject to government regulation um, can be told, well, you're actually an employee of the state only for the purposes of unionization. Uh, and so, you know, as, as the Supreme Court petition points out, I mean, there's, there's no limit to this. Uh, a uh, supermarket can be unionized, not the workers, but the, the supermarket itself, because it takes food stamps. Um, and what's it going to do? You know, it, it can say, well, we don't want to take them anymore, but is that is that really, I mean, should Catherine Miller have to say, all you uh, low-income children, I'm not taking you anymore because that's that's the only way I can stop uh, being associated with the SEIU. But then they can uh, sue her for discrimination against the poor. Right, exactly. And so it puts uh, puts her in, in a no-win situation where she's forced to, just as a condition of running her business, um, and not discriminating against, uh, you know, poor kids, basically, uh, that that she uh, has to uh, give up her First Amendment rights. And, uh, you know, that's totally contrary to, uh, to, to, to the First Amendment. And, and actually, we point out that in the Janus v. Ask Me decision, which was a decision uh, that the Foundation staff attorneys argued last year at the Supreme Court and um, last June, uh, the Supreme Court uh, issued its 5-4 uh, landmark decision it, it talked about this very issue, and it said that forcing or uh, giving the, the government-granted union monopoly bargaining power over individuals um, is, quote, a significant impingement on a social, associational freedoms that would not be tolerated in any other context. Um, and so this is another context. This is a small business owner being forced um, on, on, you know, this tenuous uh, argument that they're somehow – a government employee because they happen to, you know, take care of kids who have this subsidy. And so it really shows. Um, and, and by the way, this is why a lot of people are for educational choice and they're for homeschoolers or private schoolers or charter schools or whatever. 
getting government, federal government dollars in education. And what I hear from everybody is, well, at least there's competition. At least there's choice if you do that. And my response is they'll use the same thing to back you right on down and your school will be controlled by the government and the unions under the same premise, Patrick. Yeah, and we see that with uh, with teacher unions. I mean, teacher unions for years, and they still fundamentally are are opposed to charter schools. Uh, they see them as a threat to their monopoly over public education um, and uh, an education for for most Americans who uh, you know either can't afford private school or, or don't have the opportunity or means to to do homeschooling. Um, and, and so, you know, they, they're. At the at top level, their their position is any legislation that that creates more charter schools, they're opposed to it. But then once those charter schools get created, now they're going after them and saying, "Well, look, if we can't stop them from existing, we're going to unionize them so we can control them and uh, and stop them from being, you know, from providing the the competitive uh, spirit that a lot of people think is why charter schools are uh, a step in the right direction." So, uh, you know, this is this is where they're at, and and this is of course all comes back to to forcing people to pay money to the unions and that's where this scheme in Washington state it, it all started is you had unions all of a sudden in the 90 or starting in the late 90s and then and then in the last uh, two decades really ramping up and finding all these people who aren't really government employees but saying let's call them government employees so we can force them to pay us money um, and you know we saw that with people uh, Medicaid providers uh, mothers, Taking care of their own children who happen to be have a severe disability and doing so in their own homes, um, and for decades they they took uh, you know millions, hundreds of millions, probably billions of dollars from people and forced them to pay that money. And this relates uh, to foster children. It relates to I mean any twist you can think of, huh? Yeah, but there there's there's no question. Unions are they're coming into your own home, um, the home of Catherine Miller who runs a small business. Uh, the home of uh, Pam Harris, who, who took care of her son Josh, who had a severe disability, and the the SEIU in Illinois uh, was coming after her. Um, th- there's no, it's not limited to you know the manufacturing plant that you might think of as sort of a traditional union setting. Um, it's it's anywhere unions can get a friendly government elected official uh, to to let them in and and force them on. Uh, that's where they'll go. And, and you know what, Patrick? If we leave this unchecked, you ready for where they'll go next? You've heard of the child in, uh, earned income credit, right? Mm-hmm. They will eventually push and say, because you are accepting a child earned income credit, same scenario, buddy. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I think we, we talk about that in, in either this brief or one of the other briefs we filed. I mean, you know, everyone who drives on a government-funded road, uh, arguably, is, is taking a government subsidy. Should we all be forced into the Teamsters as a condition of having a driver's license? Uh, it sounds outrageous, but there's no logical, legal difference, really, between that and, and what's going on here in Washington State. So th- that's why we, we're really hopeful that the Supreme Court's going to step in, that briefing's going to continue over the summer, and then hopefully um, when the Supreme Court returns to start next term, uh, in the fall, we're gonna we're gonna learn that they're gonna take it and um, hopefully, you know, cut this off because it, it needs to be stopped. It's it's gotten so far away from uh, you know what the Constitution is, is supposed to to allow and protect. Amen to that. All right. Anything else we need to know about? Um, I think I think we've covered most of it. Uh, All right. Kurt has a quick issue he wants to bring up about Donald Trump. Kurt. 
Well, this is just from the WhiteHouse.gov well, it's back website. Twenty seventeen. It is. We're talking about March thirtieth, twenty seventeen, right? It yeah, and the headline reads: uh, President Trump eliminates job-killing regulations. Uh, this is a quote from him: "Any regulation that is outdated, unnecessary, bad for workers, or contrary to the national interest will be scrapped." Uh, now stop! It I sounds guess to me, Patrick, like Donald's going to just shut down the whole union. Then, isn't he? Well, um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, things that uh, that should be happening along those lines when it comes to labor law that uh, that aren't. I mean, the National Labor Relations Board, where he's he's appointed a majority now, um, has a lot of. They're in the process of of creating these rules that are going to roll back a lot of the things that the Obama board did uh, for the benefit of union bosses, but uh they're getting they're getting frankly i think they're getting slow played by the bureaucrats in there there's a lot of bureaucrats who you know uh at the national labor relations board don't like uh worker freedom don't like right to work they they like uh, they think their job is to help union officials organize more workers and so um that keeps getting delayed it was supposed to start this uh, this winter the rule was supposed to be issued and then it was going to be the spring and now uh in a in a filing about their regulatory agenda we're now told it's, it's been delayed till august uh so there's a lot of work to be done i mean that's that's a great principle um you know uh saying that we got we're going to look at all this regulation we're going to wipe out anything um that's uh that's anti-worker and, and anti-economic growth and everything else but um you know a statement at the white house doesn't doesn't necessarily uh, always trickle all the way down to all the places it should, and um, it'd be nice if uh, if the president would would really uh, pay more attention to this and and the National Labor Relations Board in particular, because um, it's we're seeing just a lot of delays there, uh, and it's leaving a lot of bad decisions from the Obama era in place, um, and, and not because they not because they want to leave it in place, but because it's taking them uh, just a long time to do the work that's needed to do uh, to repeal it. So the point is, Donald Trump is on point. He's right as rain, Kurt. Yeah, and the, then to be uh, clear, at least in my opinion, uh, what you're saying is the swamp monsters are everywhere. Amen to that point. No question. It is brutal, and it is tough. And I, again, on one hand, you can fault Donald for just rhetoric and not getting it done. On the other hand, hey... He needs more support, more people, more highlighting of these real issues. Just imagine if we had enough media control to really tell this narrative the way it needs to be told. I believe the people are on the right side when they get the details and the information, Patrick, and I believe we can make the difference. Your final thought. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, go to go to nrtwc.org. You can learn about the National Right to Work Act um, and how you can help talk to your elected officials about uh, getting on board that important. Godspeed. Thank you, sir. We appreciate you. All right. Thank you, Sam. There he goes. Patrick Simmons doing a phenomenal job. As always, this is Liberty Roundtable Live. I'd advise Mr. Trump to stop whining and go try to make his case to get votes. The press has created a rigged system. They even want to try and rig the election. Well, I tell you what, it, it helps in Ohio that we got uh, Democrats in charge of the machines. And poisoned the mind of so many of our voters. At the polling booths, where so many cities are corrupt and voter fraud is all too common. And then they say, oh, there's no voter fraud in our country. I come from Chicago, so, so I want to be honest. 
it's not as if it's just Republicans who have monkeyed around with elections in the past. Sometimes Democrats have to. You know, whenever people are in power, they're, you know, they have this tendency to try to, you know, tilt things in their direction. There's no one. You start whining before the game's even over. Whenever things are going badly for you and you lose, you start blaming somebody else. And you don't have what it takes to be in this job. Hi, I'm Patty, wife of former Congressman Steve Stockman. In Congress, Steve sought impeachment of Eric Holder for his corruption of the Justice Department and his fast and furious gun running that caused border agent Brian Talley's death. Steve called for arrest of Lois Lerner for her contempt of Congress as it investigated her targeting of conservative nonprofit groups. After four years, four grand juries, and millions of tax dollars, Steve Stockman is in prison. His case involved four checks to nonprofits. DOJ has one standard for Hillary Clinton, but another for folks like President Trump and my husband. We've spent all our savings, all Steve's retirement, and much of mine. Steve Stockman has fought for you and America. Won't you join me now to fight for Steve? To help, text FIGHT to 444-999, text F-I-G-H-T to 444-999, or go to DefendAPatriot.com, DefendAPatriot.com. Ladies and gentlemen, if that's not enough, all the out-of-control regulation, there's a battle on Facebook Kurt wants to tell you about. Don't look, though. <laughs> yeah, keep your eyes closed on this one. This is a story anyway. for blind people, ladies and gentlemen. Just saying. <laughs> that's right. Sam has it. Uh, always a big advantage on these. Uh, <clears throat> and the uh, headline reads, basically, uh, you know, you rarely find Facebook doing something worthwhile, I guess you could say, but um, in this case... As Kurt right, would say, what's that, biscuit like in a trash can, Kurt? Yeah, that's right. It's not good to look for a good biscuit in a garbage can, but you can find one there every so often. But The headline reads, Naked Activists Protest Facebook's Ban on Nudity. And, uh, you know, I guess they're all upset, Sam. I mean, uh, these folks are just ticked off. They don't have... Equal rights, uh, you know, apparently, and uh, freedom for all or whatever. But, uh, man, uh, you know, I, I guess they even staged this uh, deal just, you know, right in the uh, well, front of Facebook's uh, main headquarters. Uh, uh, they're ticked off because they can't have nudity across the platform along with Instagram. And these naked protesters took to the streets outside the New York offices of the social media giant. Uh, the protest was part of an art installation. Yeah, art. Uh, featuring dozens of naked models advocating for the uh, hashtag We The Nipple movement. Um, I mean, Sam, you're probably not familiar with the uh we the nipple movement uh but anyway the uh, what <laughs> say that again <laughs> well it says hashtag we the nipple movement uh what is that anyway, just a, a mother's nursing uh, everywhere whip i'm out there? not sure sam uh but you anyway know. Facebook is uh, known, they say, for having a strict ban on nudity on its platform. Artists are now complaining that this often prevents them from sharing their work on social media. 
and particularly harms artists whose work focuses on their own bodies, including queer and gender non-conforming artists and the bodies of those in their communities. Museums and galleries are constrained when even promoting ex exhibitions featuring nudes. The Yeah, this is sure upsetting, isn't it, Sam? But anyway, uh, so if you didn't think uh, Facebook had enough troubles, now they've got to deal with this, I guess, you know. Sam? So <clears throat> let me kind of understand this a little bit. What do they want, Kurt? Well, they say they're yeah. here to empower women around body positivity and encourage female voter turnout in 2020. This isn't just about shock value and protesting. It's about reclaiming our bodies. Facebook well, and Instagram have Well, I think one of the best ways missed... to reclaim your body would be to follow the admonition of the Lord to be modest, Kurt, and treat your temple with respect and there modesty and honor again, the way God Sam. says. And I think that's the best positive body image you can get. I mean, imagine treating that. your body as a temple and looking to God for guidance on how to make sure that your body is respected and and uh, appropriately cared for and such like that seems to me like the way to go. Now, what I don't understand in this headline is it says this, quote, naked activists protest Facebook stand on, quote, nudity. Now, when we say naked activists, are these activists really getting naked going places, Kurt? Or what are they? Uh, apparently, they're, you know, at least they were having this uh, big uh Street convention? Yeah, in the well, streets so of New York. I got a question. Are they getting uh, arrested thinking, for indecent exposure and stuff like that, Kurt? Well, that's what I remember. There used to be something called that. I mean, you know, when somebody went crazy and, you know, forgot to go uh, with their clothes on, they were in trouble, you know. Uh -huh. uh, but um, I guess, you know, this freedom thing, you know. Goes well, there are some far. laws, Kurt, that have value and make sense. Yeah, I think so, too. Sam. You know, I know it's they say like... we're anti-government, we just hate law, but that's not really true. I kind of think that these people shouldn't, just, I mean, in the old days, in the 70s, it was like, they call me the streak, right? And it was like, nowadays, yeah. it's just like, hey, they're just hanging around naked. No arrest, no problems. Good point. <laughs> wow. You know, and if you speak out against it, you're like, what, anti yeah, Body. you're just um, yeah, anti-woman. Somehow you're just a bad guy. <laughs> I mean, how am I just against things if I just don't really want women running around naked? Or men, yeah. or anybody for that matter. <laughs> you know. You're just, uh, I guess you're a prude, Sam. Let me just tell you what I would like. Sure. I would like God's children to realize that God has guidelines for modesty, Um and I think we ought to avoid the salacious. I don't think we should go as far as the Muslims and say they can't show their nose or something. Or their ankles. But I do think that we ought to have some standards that, well, create a civil society, that create a moral context, that create a standard of, of morality that would be um, nurturing of uh, men and women and, and appropriate for the next generation. Imagine but then that. I guess I'm just all whacked out. Yeah. You know? You're just not with it. All right. Sanders mega donor. This is off the charts, Kurt. Yeah. Now, you know, uh, this is a Breitbart piece, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, Bernie Sanders was having a big event in California. And uh, one of his big uh, donors uh, introducing him or whatever, uh, you know, has a little bit of kind of past history he's kind of uh basically said 
hey, look, we ought to just let the South secede because they've been causing a problem in America forever, uh, trying to make America like, you know, I mean, you can see it now. You got Alabama and Georgia and all those places uh, wanting to protect babies. And this guy was ticked about it a long time ago. And uh, the, you know, the standard newspapers forgot to bring this up. But, uh, you know, they bring, bring up that uh, he said they wanted to get rid of the uh, South, you know, to eliminate dumb people in America, Sam. What does that mean by dumb people? Is that, in other words, if you believe in like Christian principles, does that make you dumb? How do you define that's dumb? That's what he means is people that don't agree with what he says, Sam. And that's and stupid people. Tell. People yeah, that have that crutch yeah. called religion. That's right. You know, those kind of go. people. Cynthia uh, Davis just emailed me problems. and said, courts can't create laws. Boy, how do she write? By no, the way, Twitter. But they, but they do, Sam. Don't I, they? Yes, that was her point. Is that yeah. you know? Now uh, I just got an email. U.S. House of Representatives passed nineteen point one billion dollar disaster res- relief bill. What do you think of that, Kurt? Well, I'm sure there's no pork in that, uh, Sam, and it's uh, very carefully going to be spent uh, properly. And I mean, you know how your government. T- but here's takes my care concern, tax Kurt. Dollars. Whether we define it as pork or not, there is no delegated authority to spend that money anyway. I mean, I appreciate well, that we yeah, want to take but... care of people, but, you know, I don't believe that it's the proper role of the government. There's no constitutional authority for this. This is where you need, Davey. Uh, Crockett, right? I mean, you know. Yes. Great story about the, it's not yours to give, right? Yeah. Um, I think that um, our buddy um, Rand Paul was supposed to be uh, speaking out uh, for his penny uh, act. That He wanted to save two pennies now. He said it started out with a penny, but now since we've ignored his advice for so long, it's now two pennies, Kurt. Yeah. And everybody's balking, and they were supposed to vote on that last night. Did you get an update on that? Uh, no, I didn't. Did you? Well, Rand emailed me yesterday and told me that it was coming, the vote, and asked me to sign a petition, which, of course, I jumped in and signed. Yeah. Um, but I don't have an update on that. I don't really know how to, you know. Rainbow. Anyway, uh, I guess he failed. It said before Monday's vote happened, Rand Paul predicted that not a single Democrat would vote for his proposal to cut two pennies. And more than half it's, the Republicans wouldn't vote for it either. It turns out Rand Paul was right. Yeah, it says political uh, Senate rejects Rand Paul's balanced budget plan. Um uh, Reason Magazine says bipartisan Senate effort predictably kills Rand Paul's plan to balance the federal budget. Newsback says Senator Paul penny plan loss shows Washington's hypocrisy. Headline basically says Rand Paul put everybody on record, though. We know where they stand. I guess he only got 22 Republican votes in the Senate, according to the blaze. Um, So that's about uh, half. Let's see. As far as I can tell, about half of the Republicans, uh, not quite, but, you know, and then you got all the Democrats voted against it. Literally, it was a smackdown. How many total voted for uh, Rand Paul's proposal, Kurt? Do you have any idea? 
Uh, well, the yeas were 22, so that's 22 of the Republicans. Well, okay, and um, no Democrats, I see. So yeah, literally, so what, you, does that mean 70 or 68 percent? No, 78 percent? 69 voted against. Uh, so I don't get that. I thought there was only 169. Hey, so man. You have 79, 70, 89. Wait. Oh, there were nine not voting. Yeah, of course. Uh, just but, abstain. Uh, but, Kurt, yeah. as far as I can tell, what's you that, 78%? Is that 78%, what, Kurt? Uh, of, that are against him? Well, you yeah. know, with the nine not voting, yeah, that would be 78. Yeah. Anyway, I find that interesting. All right, go ahead, really quick, because we're out, almost yeah. out of time, but it's good to know. Well, Who voted yay to support uh, the decrease in spending, Kurt? So you got the yays. Uh, you got Barrasso, Wyoming, uh, Blackburn, Tennessee. Uh, you've got Braun, Indiana. Uh, let's see. Uh, you got uh, Cornyn, Texas. Uh, Crapo in Idaho. Uh, Cruz, Texas. Danes, Montana. Uh, you've got Ernst, Iowa. Uh, Fisher, Nebraska. Uh, then you've got Paul, Kentucky, of course. Uh, then you've got... Lee of Utah. Uh, let's see what Romney did. I was just kind of curious about that. Uh, but if you just uh, rock and roll, you can get the rest of them. Sorry, in. you got uh, Romney of Utah did yay. Uh, so anyway, so going both on Utah up, senators uh, did yay. Yeah, that's right. Wow, good for uh, Romney. I'm surprised but delighted. Good yeah, for you, sir. Shocked. Uh, Langford of Oklahoma, uh, Kennedy of Louisiana. And uh, Isaacson of Georgia, you've got Grassley of Iowa, um, Rish of Idaho, uh, let's see, Sass of uh, Nebraska, um, Scott of South Carolina, Shelby of Alabama, and uh, let's see, there's one right there, Tillis of North Carolina. And that's about it, Sam. Ladies and gentlemen, Rand Paul's plan to balance the budget and reduce spending gets only 22 Republican votes in the Senate. So if you believe the Republicans are going to go ahead and fix this country, good luck. We commend Rand for his leadership. We commend both Utah senators and whichever senators jumped in and supported it. But what a shame on the blight of the Republicans. And uh, you know what? More Republicans rejected it than accepted it. And Donald says nothing about it, Kurt. Good point. Donald should be saying, shame on you, Republicans. You should have voted for Rand Paul's initiative. Where's the support when you need it? Well, we wanted to support Rand, so we brought it up. Good for Rand Paul and good for those who stood with him. And at least we've got folks on record. And those who did not vote for it, in my opinion, ought to be replaced by those who will. LibertyRoundTable.com. Donate today. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America.